This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Hey, this is Kevin Gosman. You're listening to Section 336, Baltimore's Best Sports Talk. Today we will be talking with a minor league pitcher. But unfortunately, he's not in the Orioles' system. So why am I so excited to talk to this kid? The day before Super Bowl 52, it was officially announced that our own number 52, Ray Lewis, will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Does that mean that former Raven Dan Cody gets a similar knock on the door before Super Bowl 53 next year? Or maybe TJ Slaughter, Tyrell Peters, or Jameel McLean? How stupid of a question can we ask a Major League Baseball player? If you could ask a pro pitcher anything, could you come up with a stupider question than one of the ones that we asked today? I'm Josh Soroka. I'm Bert Rohde. And I'm Matt Soroka. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Today on the show, we have a special treat. We're going to dive right into our first guest. We have a, a guest here to do an interview. Yeah, I know. No, normally, we do a little talking here about the Super Bowl or whatever. You had to get that on the pre-show because yeah. we've already got the video up. Yeah, you he, can go back and watch, go. watch <laughs> the Facebook video and, and see our little pre-show. All right, but, but let's talk to Steve. Steven Rydens was drafted in the 29th round of the Major League Baseball Draft by the Seattle Mariners. Before that, he was a standout at Messiah College. 
Stephen is a local product playing high school ball in Apostolic Christian School, where I had the honor of being one of Stephen's teachers. Stephen Ridings, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Stephen. So I'm finally, I'm glad we finally been able to work to make this work. We've been trying for a little while now. Um, I want to start with this. We've interviewed several uh, players on here on this show, and I always like to begin with this question: the moment you were drafted, uh, what was where? When did it happen? Uh, what were you doing when you found out that you were drafted by the Mariners? Uh, who were you with? What were you? What What were you wearing? All that great <laughs> stuff. Uh, talk, talk Talk to us about getting drafted in that process. Um, let's see if I remember all those. Um, so June 2016, I believe is the 11th. It's not the 11th; it's the 13th. So can't remember the exact date. Okay, although okay. I should. Um, I was at my mom's house. Uh, we actually had a, a draft party uh, on that third day of the draft. Me, so uh, a lot of expectation, um, a lot of hope that uh, things were going to go according to plan. Um, and uh, I had a, a lot of friends from college, high school, um, a lot of family, uh, friends that just from out of state, they came. Um, so there was probably about 50 or so people oh, there. Wow. And the, uh, the suspense was uh, <laughs> unreal. Um, as the, you know, as the round were taken away and, you know, getting butterflies in your stomach. It was one of the worst feelings when, it, when you're waiting. Um, but, you know, got the phone call. It was, I got a phone call from my scout that had come to Messiah to see me. And uh, he, had, he had called me. At this point, I was uh, actually, I was at, at my end of the rope in terms of, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. And my mom was like, hey, let's, let's get away for a second. So we went downstairs. No one else is downstairs. And she's like, hey, let's play a game of ping pong. So ping pong was was about to happen, and sure enough, got a phone call, and uh, my mom runs up the stairs and tells everyone to be quiet, and I'm on the phone, and that's when they informed me that they were uh, they were going to turn that pick in, and uh, that I was going to be a Seattle Mariner. A draft party sounds like a horrible idea because if you don't get <laughs> call, the phone call, everyone's staring at you. Yeah. It, uh, there was a little bit of regret in my mind <laughs> during, you know, the three-hour mark, but uh, eventually it proved to be the right idea. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So how, how do you even know when you're getting drafted? I guess scouts do. Do scouts come and watch you and tell you kind of what what to expect? Is that how that works? Yeah, but even then, they really don't give you much of an inclination as to when they're going to take you. Yeah. Um, and even your agent, your agent has no idea, to be honest. He even kind of felt in the dark of like, hey, man, I, you could go as early as somewhere in the teens, but you could also go somewhere in the 30s. Um, and, yeah, so he even apologized to me at one point saying, hey, I'm sorry you had to wait so long. But, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. I really, looking back, it's my favorite moment of all time now. And, um uh, my my parents being able to celebrate that moment with them and my my friends, uh, my brothers. So just a lot of emotion, uh, good and bad throughout the day. But eventually, it turned to be just pure joy. So yeah, I mean the moment of becoming a professional baseball player. I can't, 
I can't imagine. Well, I can. I've imagined a few times, but but anyway. <laughs> now, you you grew up in the Baltimore, Maryland area. So was there concern by you that you didn't want to get drafted by the Yankees or Red Sox or anything with that to deal with family <laughs> and friends? Um, so there was – well, the, the Orioles were on the radar at one point, but then I got feedback that they that they weren't – they wouldn't take me. Right. Um, they had plenty of through my agent. <laughs> yeah, they had plenty of, plenty of quality <laughs> right. pitching. Exactly. Um, but of course, my dad is hoping and praying since he's an Orioles fan that the Yankees don't draft me. That would give him a heart attack. <laughs> um, you know, I got my oldest brother who's a Cardinals fan. He's have, has his finger crossed that the Cardinals are going to take me, and I'm just hoping for neither of those two to be honest. <laughs> um, and but yeah, I mean, I had my ideas as to who I thought was going to take me, and Seattle really was the dark horse. I didn't think about it hard enough they were going to pull the trigger but sure enough they came came to the back of the pack and they were the ones yeah that's awesome okay well, well let's back up a little bit here uh you had a great career at acs playing an absurd christian school your high school ball there i i happen to have also a pretty good career at, at an absurd christian school play, playing third base <laughs> though, though, though they're not as good as, as as your career but like take me back to the high school steven writings here because there's a lot of good high school players, even at ACS, right? A lot of good players have gone through, but very few of them, or I should say none of them, right, have become professional baseball players. When you were in high school, like the high school version of you, did you have aspirations? Like, did you think you would be where you are right now when you were in high school? Um, so, I mean, I mean, high school seems like a long time ago, yeah. so that's funny. Um, yeah. Thanks. I feel even older now. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. As my teacher, you should. <laughs> um, to be honest, I, I think at that point in my life, like, base, I was passionate about baseball, and um, and I definitely loved playing. I definitely knew I wanted to go into the college level, and you know, there was definitely those showcases after school ended where you are going to get an opportunity to pit in front of some colleges and some professional scouts but i didn't know what it would amount to and i think i was more so trying to enjoy how much you know how much time i had left with baseball at that point yeah and just not knowing um it wasn't until probably my the end of my junior year in college is when i really was like hey i i'm gonna make every effort to see this through and see if it can be a reality and I never really put in a lot of the you know the weight training and uh, you know invested that much into it until my junior year of college so high school yeah I mean it it I was a small small school for high school so I didn't really know where I would end up yeah and you go from small high school to to small college was there any was there any was there ever a point where 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 you, where you thought about transferring from a side once you started to take that seriously that, that you want to get drafted? Did you ever think about transferring and going to a larger school? Yeah, I actually did. That's funny you brought it up. But um, after my freshman year at Messiah, I had there was some you know there was some consideration as to maybe transferring. Um, my my cousin he played pro ball. Uh, he actually played pro ball for so a little. Shout out for free fans. <laughs> Love those connections. Um, exactly, yeah. Um, he had some uh, that he knew 
um, a couple of D2 nationally ranked uh, colleges. So I, I kind of mold that a little bit, never, never pulled the trigger. And then after my junior year in college, uh, I went to the Valley League for um, that summer. And I was playing for the Charlestown Cannons in West Virginia and had a great summer season. Um, and during that season, I was getting a lot of um, attention as like, this is Steven Rides. This, this guy uh, plays where? He plays for who? He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Division, he's Division three. Like, I, we, why isn't he at a Division one college? And that was really, you know, that meant a lot that other coaches, not just my own, were saying that of me. And um, it kind of added the, you know, the motivation of, okay, if they view me as a Division one guy, like, I can make this happen for the professional side. And um, at the end of the season, I had actually verbally agreed to transfer to uh, UNC Pembroke. So Division II college, uh, they were top 25 team. And I had verbally agreed to say, I'm going to go th go with them. They had offered me uh, to pay the rest of my senior year. Um, but it, I went to the college, I toured the college, basically it was, all right, I'm three, you know, away from the semester starting and I'm going to be switching schools. Yeah. Uh, eventually it fell through because I found out that I was going to have to do an additional semester after the senior year, um, to finish school. And. I was like, wait, you know, I'm a, I'm far ahead of the game in terms of my credits at Messiah. That wasn't thought to have been an issue, and it turned out it was, and that was kind of a deal breaker for me. Um, I wanted to be able to graduate, you know, on time. I put so much time and effort into, you know, school. Sure. And uh, so I, I kind of decided, right, I'm not going to go, and so I stayed at Messiah and. Um, it was it was weird to I had said I had a lot of people and then I ended up staying so yeah well I mean it, it, it worked out pr pretty well for you right yeah yeah and needless to say it turned out just fine <laughs> yeah all right so so you transition from Messiah and then you go play with with you get drafted by the Mariners go play with the big boys um, mm -hmm. what was let's talk about on the field first what playing professional baseball not now and we're talking to Stephen Ridings here professional pitcher for the Seattle Mariners organization what was being a professional pitcher um what was the jump like from division three uh baseball messiah now to professional single a what was the jump like on as a pitcher um really I didn't experience what the jump was like until this 2017 year um or last year now um because after getting drafted out, I had to wait two months. I was battling tendonitis in my elbow. Um, but I didn't really get to experience like what the jump was like. I only got one inning, um, and that was at the very end of the year. Um, so I didn't really have enough sample size to tell. Uh, but after 2017, where I literally played for every single affiliate um, for the Mariners, yeah, um, I definitely got to see all the different jumps of wow, this is this is what you know short season ball is like versus this is what Triple A um, pro ball is like, and um, I really would say the jump in terms of the jump that I noticed was probably 
I might be sounding a little confident here, but really the 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 triple A level was where I saw like, wow, these guys are on the doorstep of, um, you know, maybe September they're gonna be part of the the call ups. Um, didn't help that I was pitching in the middle of a rainstorm for that, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, double A when I got called up for a brief stare and, and high A um, and low A. I definitely still, I felt out, you know, I was confident with, you know, how I was approaching hitters. And I feel like I still had, you know, kind of a tactical advantage of, you know, I still can, ex- I'm, I have an easier time exposing their weaknesses. Um, uh, and I, I really kind of proved, I guess I proved to myself when I was in Arkansas um, through like three and a third and first three innings, I had like, I was like, wow, like if this is double A ball, I know I can play here. I know I can continue to climb the ladder. And um, yeah, so, I mean, the levels change a little bit. You know, the, the hitters are smarter um, from from each level to the next. I won't deny that. But in terms of the significant difference, I, I saw it really at the AAA level. And that's to be expected probably that, you know, those guys are – maybe 25, 26, and they're ready to go into their prime of their professional career. Yeah, uh, at that level, a lot of them probably have major league experience, and they have, they've come up and come down. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I have a few kind of dumb questions, just because <laughs> I want to know a little bit about being a professional baseball player. Um, and this is the closest I'm going to get. Right. So a couple of dumb questions. You, you played uh, this past season, you played everywhere from uh, the, the low single A, the high single A, double A, triple A. As far as uniforms go, do you are you, are you ever able to keep a part of the uniform? Like, are you able to keep the hat or something, or do you have to to uh, give your uniform and then get it back when you when you go back to that team or whatever? How's uh, so that the hats I, you get the hats hats you get to keep. Um, okay, good to know. So I have I have at least like twenty hat, twenty hats from the course of this past year. Every other guy has got like four. So I got I got at least some nice memorabilia uh, for my travels in 2017 and then uh as for the uniform no that's unfortunate um okay don't get don't don't get to you know keep it or cut it up like chris sale or anything like that (laughs) um so well yeah i think once you get big time enough if you want to cut up your jersey you can cut up your jersey (laughs) once you get the chris yeah yeah if it if it's heavy if it's uh, effect how pitch absolutely I will do that. <laughs> yeah. I was really curious about what the hat for the Modesto Nuts looks like. What's their logo? The Modesto uh, just, Nuts. <laughs> uh, just, just just your ordinary peanut with a with a cap on it. Right. <laughs> you know they're keeping it clean. I like that. You can go to Google. Yeah, exactly. and get a great answer. <laughs> I, I got okay. I got some more dumb questions. You you played most of the season. Um, if I got this cor- correct, in Clinton, in Clinton, Iowa, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So how does this work? You, you, you are not from Clinton, Iowa. I don't think anyone's from Clinton, Iowa. But you, but you don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. But you're playing baseball there for the for the majority of the baseball season. Do you like rent a place? Uh, like, what's the living situation? Do you rent a place? Do you do you live with other players and and you guys share the rent? How does the living situation work? That's a good question. That's actually not dumb in, in any sort of means. Oh, thanks, Steven. Um, He's not your teacher yeah, anymore. No <laughs> it's things we don't, know, people don't think about that. It's, it I was just curious. One. Yeah. yeah um, so I actually, when I was in Clinton, Iowa, stayed with a host family. Found out 
about them through the Mariners. They just have like a host family sheet and a you know places to rent sheet, and you can kind of you know choose your own way. You don't. They're not going to choose for you. I see the flyers for the Bay Sox and the Ironbirds looking for host families, and I always thought that I would. It would be. Uh, I didn't want to creep out a ball player by by being a host family, and he come in, and it's all this Oriole. We gear. would force him to come on the podcast every week. Yeah, that'd be awkward. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, I, I want to continue with my dumb questions, though, Stephen. All right, I, yeah, I noticed yeah. in in, uh, in the major leagues, anytime the ball even like gets within a foot of the dirt, the pitcher requests a new ball. My my question is, in the minors, do they go through as many balls as they do in the majors? And, like, even if some dirt gets on the baseball, Steven, why do you need a new baseball every single time? <laughs> my preference is to have a little bit of stuff on it. So, can't, criti- can't criticize everyone. But, uh, yeah, I I would say they go through the same, maybe maybe just a, le- a little bit less, but relatively the same amount of baseballs. Um, they toss out... You know, if pitch hits the dirt, catcher throws it out to the dugout. I'm not sure why. I think it feel like it should help the pitcher and the catcher um, and give give them a little bit of an edge. You know, a little stuff on the baseball is could we get a, a little bit more break on a on a pitch. So yeah, okay. Well, well, that kind of leads to my next question. I want to be delicate as I ask this next question. So in the minors, okay. even in baseball, everyone is trying to get an edge. Right, and you, I think this happens more with pitchers, where you know, as pitchers, maybe it's a little, a little pine tar on the brim of the, of the hat or something. So, um, so you're not going the needle route. There's also some other more extreme <laughs> versions of cheating in baseball that we're all well aware of. Stephen, have you witnessed or been approached about? I certainly would not think you would, you would ever cheat being a ACS Messiah kid. But have you ever been yeah, approached about that. cheating or, or, or seen it in the game? I uh, actually just got drug tested in December. And, and the results? Um, <laughs> and the results, results came back good and clear, so we're good. Good, good, good. <laughs> uh, no positive drug test for me. It was uh, good to know that I wasn't going to get a 50-game suspension. Um, so Has anyone ever I, had... Yeah, I know... Yeah, go ahead. I know of some, I know of some guys that have gotten uh, tested positive, Um Couple guys that I played with um, just over the year and a half, two years that uh, I've been with the Mariners. Um, can't tell you what they've been positive for, but it's happened. Yeah. Have you ever been offered anything? And like no, in the in the locker room, does this stuff come up in the locker room? Not really, not really, no. I want to break I mean, some news here, Steve. I want to break some news here. You think they all just sit around <laughs> yeah. and talk about it? I don't know what they talk about, Josh. Have you ever been in a, a professional locker room? You, you haven't, so don't stop. I, I, will, I, I can give you some insight as to what was on in the professional room. Yeah, uh, lot yeah, of, please. A lot of, lot, of lot of the pitchers are just playing card games. Uh, that's kind of our kind of our thing. Um, playing cards? Usually hitters are going to... Yeah, guys are gonna. Um, the hitters are usually in the cages whenever they want to get a few extra reps in, so that's kind of spontaneous for them. But usually, after we finish our, you know, our work on the field for the day and batting practice is done, have a lift. You're obviously gonna go, you know, go and lift. Um, but majority of the time, guys are playing cards. 
Um, and then don't don't forget yeah. the locker room talk that Donald Trump taught us about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness, so. like I, I might scoff at playing cards, but I mean, you're in Clinton, Iowa, so I guess what what yeah, else are you going to do with Clinton? Do, yeah. Yeah. Play cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How so how bad are the bus rides as a minor league player? Is it really that bad the travel? Um, there was, there was some bus rides that I had were pretty rough. Um, but the bulk haven't been that bad. Um, now you're you're rougher, when, you're early in it, so when you go from low single A right. to high single A, do the bus rides improve? Is that um, when you go from a school bus to a charter bus? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I would say okay. I, I get what you're, get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. At Double A, like the type of bus is a little bit nicer in terms of you know, a little bit more floor space and leg space. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. So there's there right. is that, but yeah, to six foot three, six foot four guy it doesn't seem like much, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there a professional baseball player uh, that you model your game after, or someone you watched growing up that you model your kind of pitching after? Um, guys that launch in in terms of just how our attack in the zone. Um, I really love watching Corey Kluber uh, mm. with the Indians. Um, just remember, so two years ago, I guess when they're going through and playing the Cubs, um, really just seeing how he used you know two seam and slide combination. Uh, so two pitches that I have of my own that I. You know, all right, I can improve on those and you figure out how to set up hitters, you know, not only right-handed hitters, but also left-handed hitters. And um, other guys, other than Kluber, um, usually it's it's not really watching someone break down film. It's usually just looking at different mechanics. Yeah. Uh, so you're just looking at photos. Um, guys like Matt Blood, the Rangers, you know, obviously a little biased there, yes. but... Um, you know, a guy that throws 97 to 99 and can hit 100, uh, just looking at his leg drive, uh, looking at, you know, how much he gets down the mound and, you know, all those things of mechanics that he's putting in are translating to being able to throw that hard. So obviously a guy trying to be able to add velocity and trying to improve, you know, those are the kinds of things that I'm going to look at. Well, if you're and, and I'm sure there's a lot of good pictures for the Rangers that you can watch, but if you're gonna watch mechanics, <laughs> may I recommend Ubaldo Jimenez as a guy that <laughs> yeah. maybe you should look at as far as mechanics go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Orioles uh, mechanics are probably far away from my mind how I pitch. Yeah. Um, I think and that, and that's a very good thing that, and that's a compliment to you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will. I will say though, you know, like a homegrown guy at one point that you guys had uh, that I've looked at a few times, Josh Hader. Okay. Um, but but you guys traded him away, so yeah, it turned out to be pretty good, and we could use him about now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've I've watched Hader a little bit just because uh, when I was in high school, Hader and I were kind of competing for the all county. You know, who's the top guy? Um, and you know, props to him. He went from a guy that was in high school throwing like 86 to 88, and now he's throwing you know 96, 97. So I've watched Tater a little bit, even though he's from the left side. Um, just seeing how he, you know, he gets some the work in his throw uh, to be able to deliver, deliver the ball. 
Yeah. What's with you pitchers and all the elbow? I mean, you mentioned elbow tinnitus before. Wait, what's with uh, the, the arm issues? Do you, like, walk outside with your right arm and bubble wrap? Just because I feel like anytime of uh, there's just so many arm issues with pitchers, how, how does one avoid – have you had any serious arm issues? And, and, and how do pitchers avoid those arm issues? Is there anything you can do to avoid it? Haven't had any serious arm issues. Uh, knock on wood. But, um, Done. Thank you. Um, only ever had tendonitis, you know, in the shoulder, in the elbow, and I'm, everyone's had that. But um, the things that I do, to I get that from teachers sometimes, prevent... writing on the whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things, <laughs> things that I do, things that I do to prevent. Um, I'm, I'm not a big, big guy where it's you know I pitched and then I slap ice on it repetitively. Um, I think a lot of people are trending away from that. I actually will go the the contrast bath route where I'm jumping in, you know, 50 degree ice bath and then jumping over and from, you know, in there for two minutes and then jumping over to the hot tub, which is, you know, 105 degrees and in there for two minutes, bouncing back, back and forth, so a little bit of cryotherapy. Uh, I find that to be useful for myself in terms of being able to speed my recovery uh, and prevent injury. Um, ever since I've, I've been doing that for about two and a half years and I've seen a lot of success, even though there's no scientific proof behind it. So this whole keeping your arm kind of good and healthy, there's no, there's, there, 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 there's no exact science to it. Just kind of find what works for you, I guess. Yeah. It's really, you know, to each his own of, you know, if you want ice and that helps you do ice. If you, you know, if you need to go see a massage therapist every single day, I guess that's what you got to do. I mean, you know, maybe do something like Tom Brady. I guess. Yeah. Is there someone? Is there someone on staff who gives you the the, the massage? Is there a person there? Yeah, that's much anything. Is that you'll go in there and you'll want like, hey, I have a knot in my shoulder, and yeah. can you just rub? Can you rub it out? Yeah. And they are, they they usually will try and do their own sort of, you know preventative care uh-huh. where they we like we like to call it they do breathing exercises with us um where they are like all right let's focus on you know breathing in and breathing out you know breathe in through your nose and then exhale and it's it's not really anything special it's kind of a joke but we do it because they say it and that's right. it i hate it when the massage therapist doesn't cooperate with me we got yeah. no. I, I'm a. They should have those at school too, because school is very stressful from the teaching perspective. I think a massage therapist that works on the kinks out. I think that would be helpful. This yeah, seems, yeah, maybe. yeah. This seems like a good point to transition and ask about superstitions. Baseball players are always superstitious. Do you have there supersti- you go. Do you have superstitions? I do. I do. I have. A, I have a couple good ones. <laughs> um, so, so, in terms of. When it's my day pitch, going through the same kind of routine of, you know, kind of a schedule of, you know, when I'm going to warm up my lower body, upper body, you know, what music I'm listening to. Um, what what music is that? What, uh, what do you it, get ready to go out there? It, it varies as okay. the, like, as each year goes on, I add to it, but uh, I'm an Imagine Drags kind of fan. Um Little bit of little bit of Eminem uh, in terms of getting a little amped up. 
Um, but I, I like to slow down too sometimes and just a l- little bit of worship music when I'm locker room, you know. Yeah, that, that after Eminem is always, always good. You got to balance this thing out. It's a good balance. A little Eminem, a little Hillsong. The yin, the yang. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Exactly. Um, do you guys, do minor league hitters get walk-up songs? No. They, you have to get the majors for a walk-up song, right? Um, no, everyone has a walk-up song. I didn't have one this past year just because I was bouncing around from place to place. But, oh. um, but Stephen, you got to hear that day one. Day one, walking to the box, say, every time I step in the field, Here's my music, a blend of Eminem and gospel. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's what I did when I was at Messiah. It worked. Just, you know, putting some fear into the hitters, but then, you know, showing them a little bit of Jesus, too. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, um, others, other superstition. Yeah. This one, this one a lot of people like is uh, every other year I'm alternating in terms of sunflower seeds and bubblegum. So if I ha- if I'm chewing sunflower seeds one year, I can't chew bubble gum that year, and then it flips to the next bubble gum, no sunflower seeds. Yeah. So a I, lot of, lot of people a lot of people are intrigued by that one, and well, that's my own. That's because so. once you get to the majors, you can mix in the tobacco on the third year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now I wonder how long that's going to last, Stephen, because you're going to have one year, you're going to have a really bad year, and you're going to get a lot of pressure. To switch back to the previous thing. So if you're going to bubble gum and you're having a bad year, a lot of people are going to pressure you oh, to go back to the, su- the sunflower yeah. seeds when you were pitching well. It's, That's going to happen. It's Tettleton in the Fruit Loops all over again. Yeah. But then, you know, if you if you are finding some success with the sunflower seeds, maybe you come a little complacent and you start, you know. <laughs> you got to keep your edge. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, Steven, this has been, this has been uh, a lot of fun. Talking to you. Do, you. do you have um go, going into next year? Do you have any idea of where you're going to be pitching? Are you going to go back to Clinton, Iowa, or uh, do, do you know where you're going to be next year? Um, don't have any strong you know feedback from the organization as to where I'll be, but uh, there is some projection of me uh, starting the year out at Modesto, so high A, okay, um, which which is nice. I you know that's where. I, w- I would like to start out um, in terms of realistic, you know, realistic goal expectation. Um, and then, you know, as season goes on, my, my goal is then going to be, all right, let's find a way to, to move up and go to Arkansas uh, at double A and give myself a really a, a strong push to when you're at double A, you're, you know, you're knocking on the doorstep and you're really giving yourself an opportunity. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, excitement to hopefully start the year out at Modesto, but if that doesn't happen, uh, you know, I want to, I don't want to, you know, psych myself up so much and then find out that it doesn't happen. You know, I'm, I'm really excited this year. Uh, it's kind of just, you know, let the cards fall as they will and be happy with whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If you pitch well, I think good things will, will definitely happen. They'll, they'll, they'll find you. you. You won't get lost if you pitch well, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we appreciate. It. We're going to be following your career closely. We hope to have you back on the show at some point. Yeah, because we're going to have more stupid Absolutely. questions. Yeah. We're going to have as to I accumulate more dumb questions. <laughs> right. The questions were too embarrassed to ask Chris Davis. That's right. And every time I yeah, talk to someone associated with Oral's management or anything, which occasionally happens, I'm going to say, "Hey, make sure you're checking out Stephen Ridings, 
maybe putting a, a couple of trade ideas out there. Right. Um, We've had good luck trading with the Mariners in the past. Yeah, so maybe we can work out an, another deal. Yeah. Um, I don't care really how you feel about it, Stephen. That's going to be what I'm working <laughs> on on my end. Uh, but, Stephen, uh, thank you so much. It was so great to see you and talk to you, man. It was. Uh, th- this has been yeah. fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me, and you know, I'm more than happy on it. You guys want me to to join in uh, once again. So, yeah, appreciate it. All right, All right. thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Good talking to you. All right. That was Stephen Ridings. Yes, it was. Professional pitcher for the Seattle Mariners organization. What class did you teach him in school? I think twelfth grade honors English. Oh, honors. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't want to sound. <laughs> We were already asking enough stupid questions. Did you have some more stupid well, questions? Well, I didn't realize that in the minors, like, that pitcher's batted. That oh. there, there's no DH in single A. Was he batting? He, why else would he have walk-up music? I thought maybe when he came to the mound, from the bullpen or something. All right, so <laughs> I don't know. That'll be, a, uh, that'll be a question next time we get on. We'll ask him if he prefers the DH or not. Uh, but that was cool. It was good to get some of those stupid, silly questions out of the way. Um, yeah. Those are just like the things you wonder. Right. Like we've been to enough minor league games where there's a bunch of young guys who you know are not from the area. Like where do these guys sleep at night? <laughs> no, and it, it was good. We've talked to lots of minor league players. Steven seemed the most just relaxed and open and probably because you've got that relationship already. Yeah. But it was uh, – and he, and he trusts you. Yeah. Where I think some of the other minor league players are a little reserved that we've talked to, not trustworthy. Like we can't ask him anything, you know? Yeah, yeah, t- kind of take the company line on things. Right. Yeah, though, in, in fairness, I haven't seen Steven in, I don't know, like six years or something, five yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that was a lot of fun for me. All right, you want to get uh, to the rest of the show? Yeah. All right. Yeah, you want to just go straight into some uh, Oriole talk? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Scope, that's the big Oriole news, right? Is there other news I'm not aware of? Yeah, that's the only Oriole news I know <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah, he, he uh, let, right. let alone big or small. No, I know, no, no. <laughs> right. But this is a big story, right? As big as the yeah, man, right. What it didn't go to arbitration. Well, as did you see that the number that they agreed upon? Yeah, yeah, just over. Yeah, went uh, a little bit in Scope's favor. I think it was oh, eight, yeah. eight and a half million. Yeah, Scope requested nine. They requested seven and a half, and they chose eight and a, they settled on an eight and a half. Yeah. Which, which, is great for Jonathan. Last year he got three million, I believe, which he played well above a three million dollar guy last year. To be the yeah, O's MVP. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's disappointing is you would think if you're already got to negotiate for this one year, why wouldn't you throw out there a long term offer? Yeah, it was interesting because just uh, the day before, George Springer, who had similar numbers out there with scope as far as arbitration costs and where he is in arbitration, mm-hmm. they did a two year deal for twenty four million. So kind of doing this arbitration right. and next year's arbitration at $24 million. Now, I think you were looking at something more than two years. I was, maybe, uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe more <laughs> like a four-year, $45, 50000000 million. Yeah, this is be- becoming a bigger and bigger question. What's going on? And I, <laughs> we're, I mean, <laughs> so, but yeah. think about it. Yeah. We're offering no one extensions. Right. We're signing no one. Like, what? what is, what's the plan here? Well, it, what is going, going on? on? Well, it comes back to our conversation in September and October. Like, Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter aren't signed for past this year. So, they're not focused on past this year. So, what is the plan past this year? Yeah. And, and, and if there is, right now there's no plan for past this year. So, what's the plan for this year? I mean, it's crazy. 
but but I I argued I argued then in September October and I argued the same now. Like there's a couple paths you could take that could make sense, yeah. right? Like like you could try to extend this window longer, or you could try to rebuild for 2019, or you could try to even rebuild for 2020. But like all those would like require some moves to be made now, right? Like if you're not trying to win this year, fine. Then you need to trade someone. But if you are trying to win, then you need to trade someone. Then then then, then you need to sign somebody. But if you're trying to win next year, that's fine. But but part of that is then looking at extending Adam Jones, looking at bringing other guys in here for multi-year deals. If you're looking at 2020, fine. But isn't Jonathan Scope a part of the 2020 plan if Manny Machado's not? Hey, if Zach Britton is too rich for them and Manny Machado is too rich for them, who who can the Orioles re-sign? Anyone? Just Chris Davis? Well, there's – all right. Yeah. So <laughs> there's lots of talk outside of the Orioles organization – that came out this year with uh, players' agents complaining that the, that the teams aren't signing their players, and, and Major League Baseball came out and said, "Hey, you can't yell at us because there's lots of guys who have made have been offered hundred million dollar contracts, and they're not signing it, and they're not they're holding out for more." So there's this balancing act of <coughs> of teams of teams just in baseball not wanting to pay the whole huge contracts, players wanting to get even more money. Yeah. But with the Orioles, but the interesting thing is what Major League Baseball came out, and one of their things that they, they came out today in defense of themselves and saying is, we're here to win. And you have to look at teams like the Houston Astros. And then to compare the Houston Astros to the Orioles, the Houston Astros, in order to win, five years ago tore it all down. Yeah. And the question is, are the Orioles about to tear it all down? Yeah. Is this the last year? Yeah. And that's what, what, one of the reasons why – all these free agents haven't signed yet, and that's part of it is because so many teams are trying to do that route. Right. And so if you're trying to lose, why would you sign a free agent? Right? And so that takes away half the teams. Right. right. And then the, the other half, um, a lot of the teams already already have their guys, or they're like the Orioles where we want to win now, but we also want to get the best deal. Right. And so we always wait, wait teams out. And so that's kind of where everyone's at. Yeah. And so the, nothing's getting done. The Orioles aren't cheap. They've spent money. They they lost money as an organization last year. Yeah. So they're spending money. They're losing money. They want to win. They just got to figure out if they can win with this year, next year, or if they need to tear this all up and try again. Whatever's the best way to win. But even if you're playing for the future, Jonathan Scope is still young, right? He's still in his what? How how old Jonathan Scope? We think twenty four. Oh, I would say older than that. I would say like yeah, 26, 27. 26, 27. Even, I guess. But, but even then, in three years, in four years, Jonathan Scope is still going to be a good baseball player. Right? Yes. He's not yes. going to suck at 30. No. And, and so. And a power hitter at second base, which doesn't come around all that often. Yeah. And so you're telling me then no one from the remaining team is, if Scope isn't worth re-signing, who is? Are we going to lose Kevin Gossman when he comes up in a couple years? And Dylan Bundy? Like, at some point, you got to say, at least make offers like that no one's talked to john the scope is concerning scope right. is 26 years old 26 yeah i i, I kind of get adam jones because of the age factor the age and yeah, the age and he's lost a step in center field and we and, and we have some and we have some guys in the minors i think cedric mullins it's a really big year for him that yeah we got if he mullins, has a great year that, that could be a potential Hayes, dj stewart we've got <clears throat> outfielders um i haven't heard of any second baseman coming up Unless I unless there's talk of uh, Ryan Mountcastle, well, and there's talk of moving Cisco. Cisco uh-huh. is going to be a failed catcher, and they're going to move him to the infield. I don't see that happen with Cisco. So, um, did did Andrew Sussex did he sign since we last talked? 
the backup catcher Andrew Sussex. Yes. Sussex. It yes. sounds to me though, I like, believe the Orioles signed him. It sounds to me like though, I mean he, they signed, but I don't know if it happened since our last episode. Yes, yeah, it happened this week. Um, it sounds to me like he's he's a little in a, he's out of a job though because Dylan Bundy, he's his catcher is going to be Caleb Joseph. Kevin Gossman's catcher is going to be Chance Cisco. Then there's no more pitchers for Andrew Sussex. Is that a thing? There, there's no more pit. There's no more. There's no other starters for him to catch. <laughs> well, I know that's a thing, but the. Bundy wants uh, Cisco no. and or I Joseph. Would, I was just making yeah. a joke that we have more catchers than starting pitchers. Oh, I mean that's the sad truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I the, the big question is the same that we've been asking since September. What is the warehouse doing? What are they thinking? They're because they're they're afraid to go all in this year, but they're not really thinking past this year. Right now, the Orioles are projected, according to USA Today, to have seventy-two wins. Which is impressive for having two starting pitchers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I take that if, if Dylan and, and Galsman are going every other day. But one of them has to be a twenty game winner this year, right? We've been waiting so long for a twenty game winner. If you're pitching every other day, one of them's got to be twenty. Game <laughs> every other, yeah, you would, you would think every other day. What would that put you? Uh, twenty and uh, sixty. 62, yeah, well, you, 20, be fa- 60, sometimes 61? they'll be facing the same lineup within the same series. So I mean, you got to get used to the hitting. Right. I think, I mean, your arm's going to fall off. You're going to have to halfway through the season switch to throwing with the other arm. Yeah, like that but, guy. But, I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> like that guy. Yeah, that yeah. one guy who was in Oakland yeah, that, with the that, funky glove. Yeah, the amphibious. <laughs> yeah, the, the amphibious guy. Um, <laughs> Stupid. Right. I know you're saying amphibious to be funny. <laughs> well, is, is that what the news, I don't want to correct him. Didn't, didn't a newspaper <laughs> yes, the ambidextrous picture yeah. was called amphibious. Yeah, it was called amphibious. In the paper. <laughs> All right. Are we, is that uh, enough Orioles talk? I want to get to <laughs> I mean, the Orioles, yeah, they did nothing. It's a whole conspiracy no. theory that you, one of you guys shared that quote with, with us in our little private chat, right? Was what that you quote? guys? What quote? I don't know. It was some some baseball. Some other guys. No, it was some baseball guy who, with this whole paragraph, saying how it's a uh, there's drama going on between ownership yeah. and the players' association, and it's building to a yeah. Uh, no, there's there's a potential strike in in the coming years. Yeah, there's there's MLB agents talking about the idea of a spring train uh, about renting a field at a college down south and having spring training for free agents. Because of the amount of pitchers and fielders, the number of high free agents who are not signed with teams yet, that they're all that they're talking about having their own spring training together. Somehow, I don't think the players' association would go for that. I like that sounds like a, just a, a bunch of ticked off agents. I don't know how all that. <laughs> I don't know how all that works because the agents are there for the players. Yeah, but if the players aren't signed, then the agents aren't getting paid. Right, and it, <laughs> right. So Most of the agents have probably collected their first pay- paycheck for a re-signing by now, but nobody signed, so no agents are getting paid. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It, I don't know, but um, it's also kind of like when Dan Duquette said, well, I have until, what do he say, March 1st to, to, to sign a pitcher. And it seems like a lot of these free agents aren't going to sign until March. Yeah. So. And and so Scott Boris out there complaining about all this, and then I saw one of the, a league a league MLB official came out and said, you know, if Scott Boris would spend as much time trying to sign his clients to deals as he did complaining right. about his players not being offered deals or whatever, <laughs> then this whole offseason wouldn't even be a problem. Yeah, you so, know, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a little bit ugly out there. We've we've had an agent on the show a few times. I almost reached out this week to say, <sighs> hey, let's talk about this, and then I didn't want to deal with the guy. <laughs> 
Does that guy have any free agents on the market right now? He he does. I saw him tweet out uh, today does. that he just signed three of his guys, so he said it's starting to move a right. little bit now. Yeah. They must not be big-name guys because no, no. we're not hearing about no, it. they're not, <laughs> not big-name guys, and he no longer has any Orioles yeah. uh, under his belt. Yeah, because you said Scott Clevenger. Yeah. He was uh Alex Murphy guy too, right? He was. Is he not with Alex Murphy? No, Alex dumped him. Okay. Let's not okay, let's not bash anyone here. Alex moved on to bigger better things. Is that a better yeah. way to say it? Maybe sure. I should have hooked Steven Ridings up with this guy. <laughs> you know, does Steven have a manager? I could figure this thing out. Yeah. How hard can mean, it be? I, I just go I can go on Twitter and complain that teams aren't paying. Yeah. Um can we give some football news? Yeah, Super Bowl. Well Super commercials. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fine. This is who I want to talk about. Oh, number 52. Yeah. Not Super Bowl 52. Was it, it wasn't Super Bowl 52, right? Yes, it was. So Ray Lewis got, went into the Hall of Fame at Super Bowl 52? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was destiny. Right. <laughs> right. When Ed Reed goes in next year, are they changing the name to Super Bowl 20? Yes. Yeah. Is he eligible next year? Is that what it is? Yeah, he's eligible next year. He played year. that one more silly year after the, the Ravens Super Bowl. Where, where was that? The the Bills and Jets? The Jets, the Texans. He, he moved around a little bit. I think yeah. the Bills, because wasn't Rex Ryan up at the Bills? No, Rex Ryan was at the, he the, was Jets. With the Jets. So he went yeah. to the Jets, right. Um, who'd you guys – I no, now this is this is prime Ravens time. Uh, watching the Super Bowl and no one could stop anybody, there was as many – there was more catches or as many catches by quarterbacks – as there were punts in that game. It was just right, ridiculous. Right, it was all offense. I mean, Tom Brady throwing 500 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's great. And, and, and losing. Yeah, but it, it, it made me think of how appropriate that Ray Lewis was the MVP of uh, of, of a Super Bowl. Sure. Because of his, his defense. Uh, yeah. Even though he didn't I have mean, a spectacular game against the Giants, just because he was kind of the heart of that but, defense, he got the MVP. Yeah, but that was, that was 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. Last time the Ravens went to the Super Bowl, Joe Flacco was the MVP. The league has changed that it's very offensive heavily. And you saw that on Friday, this past Friday, when Steve Bashotti did the State of the Ravens address by himself, where he even said, hey, we're gonna, we got to focus on offense. We got to uh, change some of our scouting department to look more on offense. All, all, the, think? all that's fine, well, and good. But can we talk for, for a minute about how awesome Ray, Ray Lewis was? Who do you guys like better? I think this is an interesting question. Were you guys? Because I was, I loved Ray, Ray, Ray Lewis, obviously, um, but I was always an Ed Reed guy. Yeah, like Ed Reed was my favorite player growing up, bar none in football. Sure, Ray Lewis was always number two. He was a game changer. Yeah, he would always. I mean, he was just so exciting to watch. Right. Um, do you do you guys have a preference, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, and do you guys have like a favorite Ray Lewis moment? You know, it's the it's right. The difference is it's it's kind of like. Ed Reed's more of the offensive guy on the defensive side. Like he, that's the exciting part of football. Like people don't like watching the grinding, hard hitting that Ray Lewis was known for. What they get excited for is games like the Super Bowl where there's passing all the time. What made Ed Reed magical was that he, when he caught that ball, you didn't know if he was holding it, if he was running it down, the lateral, lateral back, on yeah, it. sure. So Ed Reed had that other thing going. Everyone turned to offense. That there was a, there was excitement with Ed Reed where Ray Lewis was just hard-hitting and in-your-face. And the cool, fun part about both of those guys is they would get in the heads of the quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ed Reed was uh, the kind of guy you needed on defense when your offense was nothing but three-and-out, dump-off passes, and field goals, which not much has changed in the last 15 years as far as the Ravens' offense goes. Uh, anytime that the opposing team has the ball, 
you could still score a touchdown. Yeah. Anytime. And then there's been so many been uh, so many uh, <sighs> mic'd up games where you can hear the opposing head coaches say, just don't throw it towards Ed Reed. Yeah. <laughs> throw yeah. it to anybody else. Um, if, if I had to pick a favorite, I don't think I could because I go back and forth with them. All of a sudden, I'm like, I, I wore a Ray Lewis jersey while we watched the Super Bowl right. this past Sunday. Uh, but Me too. I did too. I have an Ed Reed jersey. That's one of my favorite jerseys. Me too. Well, I did that's, too. That's <clears throat> <laughs> Your voice just cracked there. I got, I got a foul. <laughs> I did too. I, mean, no, but I said, I did too. The amazing part is that we got to watch those guys play together. Yeah. And I special. don't know if those teams would have been as special with just one of those guys. Yeah. And the thing that also made Ray Lewis cool is, and you can say if you don't like how much he talks, standings or something, but they're just watching him come out of the tunnel and do that stupid scroll dance was one of the most <laughs> – you can say that it's not exciting when you don't have offense, but I'm sorry. I was – every time he did that scroll dance, I was pumped, ready to run through a wall. He fired up the stadium for sure. Every yeah. home game, people yeah. lost their minds. Like that was – with Ray Lewis, this is the only time. This, this, this probably will ever happen. But with Ray, Ray Lewis, you wanted to be in your seats. Oh, yeah. Like wait, waiting when they announced the players just Absolutely. to see Ray Lewis cut, cut, come out. Yes. Yeah. To, to Nelly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think football has changed in a way that uh, that some of, Ed, some of Ray Lewis's hits were so hard and stuff that I don't know if he would get away with them today in today's game. When you think of – because what his big hits were Eddie George. Yeah. Um, and and, and it's sad to and, watch like Eric from RDT, RDT from Barstool. Um, he really – he's a Titans fan. Hates Ray Lewis. And, and, and I'll tell you what. If I was a Titans fan, for what they did to Eddie George – I would hate Ray Lewis too, because poor because Ray Lewis just come up and take the ball from Eddie George. Well, and I that was one of my favorite things. I lived in Nashville from 1998 to 2004, and I loved to wear my Ray Lewis jersey out in public because people hated it. Yeah, they got so mad. It was a huge rivalry between the Ravens and the Titans at that time. Yeah, they were two quality teams. They hated Ray Lewis. They hated what <laughs> Ray Lewis did in that that game. I was there at just the Titans stadium. Yeah. Stripped the ball out of Eddie George's hands and ran it in for a yeah. touchdown. And and for the rest of the game, Eddie George would start to fall down before he got hit by Ray yeah. Lewis. <laughs> right. he, they they ruined Eddie George yeah. <laughs> that year. Yes. Um. I, my my other favorite play is the the San Diego. Fourth and two play, yep. uh, game on the line, like down by five, I think. The, the San Diego is down by five. This guy gets a score touchdown, and he blows it up and tackles Darren Sproles in the backfield. There he goes. Right. Trying to figure right out, that was Darren Sproles. Yeah. And, and even, even his final year, that push – in the final when he comes back with the deer antler spray and everything. And <laughs> oh, the deer. <laughs> I forgot about the deer antler spray. Yeah, yeah he comes out with the deer antler spray, and yeah. he starts just – every interview he starts going with the no weapon – yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no weapon, weapon no form weapon, against no weapon. us. Yeah, and somehow he comes into those playoffs and plays great. Yeah, with his arm in some type of cast at seventy five years old. Yeah, psychs up using the, deer antler to, to the, stay on the field. Right, the way that he could motivate a, that defense to get behind him, I you've never seen a coach like that on the field. Yeah, it was special. So yeah, very special. Um, what's the over under on the length of his Hall of Fame speech? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to know: Is he going to do the squirrel dance? Yes or no? Yes. I think yes, squirrel dance. And then a big long sermon. Is he gonna cry? Uh, yeah, he'll cry. Yeah, he's he's a cry. He'll cry. Will he will he go <laughs> to two knees? Oh, not one knee. Remember that one knee is disrespect. One two knee, knees is two a prayer. Knee, two knees is a prayer. Yeah. One is disrespectful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the nuance of it. Appreciate it, guys. When uh, that's in September, right? August. August. Yeah. Uh, in Canton, yeah, Canton, Ohio. We we might want to consider going up there. No, you don't want to go up there. No. There, it will be a madhouse. But, <laughs> and I bet the Ravens will play the Hall of Fame game. I would rather. Well. Uh, 
I would like to. I've never been to Canton. I would love to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but I will go after the dust settles uh, to be able to see the busts and all that stuff. And actually, I would, at this point, I would probably wait till after Ed Reed. Right, after then Ed you can Reed. knock out two then birds you, with one stone. Yeah, if you wait till after Ed Reed, you've got a few years until you until Terrell sucks. Yeah, but you'll, and then you after can see that, Ogden. You, you got a few years till Bashard Perryman. <laughs> uh, and yeah. if we're bringing it back to the Orioles, I mean, we should always go out to the uh, statue court out at Camden Yards because it'll be a few years before we ever get another one of those. Right. Well, you've <laughs> got to enjoy it before we have to put up a statue of Mike Mussina in a Yankee hat. <laughs> when does Ed Reed or Jonathan Island get a statue? Uh, Bishotti said no. <laughs> they asked him if Ed Reed will get a statue or Ogden will get a statue, and he his response was, are you going to pay for it? <laughs> Josh, you have a... Uh, can I say intimate relationship with Steve Ashadi, or at least you used to? What is your uh, maybe intimate's not the right word, but what 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 was your take on him going solo and what he said at the state of the Ravens address? I think I like Steve Ashadi a lot. I know you. Do. I, I like him a lot. Because he hooked you I, up. I like him a lot. He hooked you. I like up. him as a person. I'll he hooked you up. Which, which one of you did I take to his home and he showed up? I went. Did. We no, both went. Right. We showed up on a dirt no, bike. Which one was he? Sh- wasn't he shirtless <laughs> on a dirt bike? I think he was wearing a shirt. Oh, I got he wasn't shirtless when I went. Okay. But he was definitely on a dirt bike, just right. riding around. All he right. was there. It was right before the Ravens were playing Monday night in Green Bay, so he had his ticket sitting there on the island <laughs> in the kitchen. Wait, wait. I went. I, I took you both when he showed up on the dirt bike. No, it was cold. Okay. It was snowing when right. when you and I went. Right. He what definitely wasn't on a dirt bike. Okay. Yeah, like that, like he, that's just he's just a genuine guy, and I I like Steve a lot. I thought it was a very weird move for the Ravens. It seemed like they were trying to hide the press conference with making it one person, with making it one thirty on a Friday. Was the, the one Super person Bowl. because they were announcing that Ozzie Newsom was stepping down after that? Is that why they did it? I wondered if that I wonder if that was because Ozzie Newsom didn't want to take the questions, but it just means that we're going to ask him questions at the draft conference yeah. and stuff like the questions are going to come out i still want to know why i still want to know why scope didn't come to fan fest ask steve bashani i think uh I would they brushed it under the rug because he said continuously year after year after year we, we, we we're not going to stand gonna for this for mediocrity yes, we're right. going to make some changes, changes will it. be made yeah. and, it, and they've done no changes it's Nothing. been the same mediocre boring football ever since the super bowl right. he said so this they, off season they're going to make a splash he, yeah, yeah. he said this off and and I right, believe it when I see the it. Most, well, they already did. The most interesting. They signed a CFL receiver. They've already done more than the uh, Ray Orioles. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the the interesting thing with his where was when they asked him about I I don't remember what the question was, but it was something about adding to his team, and he went to say something. Then he said, "Well, I was I've got it written down here. I was reminded to not tamper, so I can't say anything. But we're gonna make." We're gonna make a splash. Yeah, but but, so, but, but what is that, Dan Schneider? No, it, what is that, Peter? Like, <laughs> isn't that Ozzie Newsom's job to sign players? Yeah, but I think it means he's he's told Ozzie Newsom go and sign me the biggest wide receiver free agent okay. out there. Yeah, if now and, uh, it's not baseball though. There's a salary cap here, right? And, and Ozzie Newsom has to make it work. So no, Steve Bichette can say whatever he wants. But there's, but there's not a ton of there's not a ton of. Uh, <laughs> high end wide receivers. I think Landry is a free agent this offseason. I think there's a handful of guys. But Landry would sure. be Land, if the Ravens got Landry, that would be huge to give a weapon to Joe. Yeah, I don't think you can afford Landry. And um, and Landry would work well with Joe because Landry likes to catch three yard catches. So right. I think it'd be a good match. So yeah, I think it's very. I thought that was interesting that he's got. I could tell from his the way he reacted that he has a specific free agent in mind that he wanted to mention and held back from mentioning it. Um, He's a very smart guy. He thinks through everything before he says it. I thought it was odd to do the one-man show. 
Um, I kind of felt like the Ravens were trying to maybe just skip the whole state of the Ravens thing, and then Steve said, "No, I let's just I'll just do it. We'll <laughs> we'll do it now. We'll get it out of the way. John's out doing Super Bowl coverage. Ozzy's doing something else. I'll just I'll just handle it." A couple of receiver potential free agents. You never really know because like salary cap issues, who's going to get cut right. or whatever. But a couple of John Brown from the Cardinals, Martavis Bryant from the the Steelers, Devontae Adams from the. Uh, uh, Green Bay Packers. Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Is he from Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins. Terrell Pryor. No, they said they're going to franchise him. <laughs> I thought they were going to franchise him. Can you believe that? It's so ridiculous. It's a, it's I don't like think a, they really are. They're just talking. That would be so nuts. But completely, have, su- I, I would, not su- would not surprise me. Yeah, I hope they franchise Mike Wallace him. is a free agent. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy Watkins. And, and Mike Wallace. I could see the Ravens re-signing Mike Wallace because I, I don't think he'll <laughs> be that expensive. Um. I don't know. I thought it was fine. It was – I thought he – I think that the questions that – he never – he wasn't asking any hard questions. Of course, they brought up the attendance issues, and I thought he handled that well with saying, hey, if we win, people will come. And that is what it comes down to. It's what it comes down for the Orioles, the Ravens. You win, and you'll, you'll fill up the stadium. So I thought he handled that fine, and uh, yeah, he was smart guy. I'd love to get him on the podcast, not even to talk about Ravens. I'd like to talk him to just talk about Orioles. He's Steve Bashotti. He's a huge Orioles fan. And Maryland basketball. And Maryland basketball fan. Like I can get, I get like, all right, he might not want to come out and talk about Ravens stuff, but I'd sure. love to talk to him about Orioles and the uh, maybe a little bit about the ownership of the Orioles and how about and tip, ownership of tips on how to become massively wealthy. I, I would like his advice. Yeah. Some advice on how to be Should successful. I be maxing out my 401k each year? Um, you know, things like well, that. Well, you know, I deal with a bunch of rich people. And the way you, you the way you get money is you argue and complain and never pay your bills. <laughs> <laughs> Works really well, apparently. Yeah, they they like to carry a lot of debt. As long as <laughs> yeah. you're cash, yeah. cash, cash, cash rich, strong. debt heavy. <laughs> hmm. All right, and this has so. been financial advice with Burt Rody. <laughs> how 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 poor is it that contribute to your HSA? <laughs> like pitchers and catchers report in a week, a week, seven days, and there is has been more Ravens news than Orioles news. The Orioles had Fan Fest. The Orioles had this. There's nothing. The, this <laughs> off season for Major League Baseball is so weird that yeah, I don't know if it's heading to a strike or if we're just in a weird stalemate. And so, it, do you see the floodgates opening at some point? Or you think we're just going to limp through the next month and sign guys here and there? The floodgates for the Orioles or just baseball (laughs) in general? The Orioles are going to limp through the next year. Yes. uh, The floodgates for in general. Like, do we see a thing where, like, Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, you Darvish, and Jake Arrieta are all signing in the same week? Probably. You think it's like they're just waiting for one of them to set the bar and then they're all going? Yeah, I would imagine within, I don't know, by, by the time February ends. All these guys will be signed. Okay. So, I you're, think right, so you're saying they're all signed before March 1st. Yeah, before March 1st. I, I think so. I can't imagine all of them. I think the pressure is going to start to build, and they're going to sign. I don't think it's not they're not getting offers. They're not getting what they want, but they're going to have to settle for maybe a little less than what they want. Uh, and that's that's the, that's the nature of the beast. Do you think the Orioles sign any pitcher who is a, a guy they, we've heard of? Yeah, they have to. They have to, right? <laughs> Like, they literally have to. They can't go into the season. Because it's not just that Enoa and Asher 
and um, who would be the fifth guy? Mike Wright. Mike Wright. Yeah. It's not. That, it's not that just that they're bad, and they are bad. Like, think about this for a second. What if one of them gets hurt? Like, n- name another pitcher. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, then it becomes really Al- hard. Alec Asher. I, he was one of them. Yeah, oh, did he's you name one of five. That one. Uh, they, can they get Tyler Wilson back from, from uh, Japan? Tipan Yogi or whatever he's playing. Yeah, I mean you're talking about other guys from Bowie like Jeffrey Ramirez and um, Jason Aquino. Maybe I, I don't know, but like that's it, and that's really bad. But behind them, there's no one, and so you know we made a joke about this last last off season. Remember we said we're going to send our tryout video to the Orioles. Who would have thought that the pitching staff this year is in worse shape than last year? Last year, we had this same conversation about how the Orioles don't have a fifth starter. Now, suddenly, we don't have a third, a fourth, or a fifth starter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the 72 win thing, if I don't know how you determine the USA Today projections. Do you project that the Orioles will sign a couple pitchers? Right. And do you project that none of those good pitchers end up in the AL East? Like, you, you made your projections, USA Today, way too early. But if you make the projections <laughs> based on what you have now— how did the Orioles win seventy two games? Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Right. You know, and like I how many how many wins does this team have right now? Twenty four. Shut up. Th- they would uh each get two wins. Or oh, twelve wins. Right. Bosman buddy, we should now, have twelve how many, wins. How many wins do the Orioles have right now if you were predict <laughs> with, with if the Orioles make no other moves, what's the record at the end of the season? I would give them sixty wins. <gasps> Oof. I would give them sixty wins. Um Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I seventy two sounds like a whole lot of Numbers. If your number, if you're going with you know Asher and Wright, yeah. But again, you could make a case that you know Asher and Wright, even if they're bad, could potentially still be better than Jimenez, Miley, and Tillman, for how bad they were last year, right? Sure. And right, and it's that's where it's hard to uh, to predict. Like that's what I was just pulling up the 2012 rotation because I my guess is that if I pulled up the 2012 Oriole rotation, if that winter, I probably said, oh, this is a 71 team. Joe um, Saunders. <coughs> uh, that's what I'm trying to pull up with the right <laughs> He came later. Yeah, yeah, he came later. He was a late ad. So, um, Wolf? Wasn't there some guy, Wolf? Yeah, but he came later too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There was uh, Jake Arrieta, Zach Britton. One of the best pitchers in baseball. One of the best pitchers in baseball. So you just named two guys who are two of the <laughs> yeah. best pitchers in baseball. <laughs> and that know. year they were. Yeah, not. Uh, uh, Kevin Gregg. Jason Hamill, Miguel Gonzalez. Yeah. Jason Hamill. Miguel Gonzalez when he Jason was Hamill's back. a free agent now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, bring back all the classics. Yeah. I, right. From that magical year. I mean, the, the the frustrating thing about this whole conversation is the Orioles still have like if you look at their lineup, the lineup can 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 play. Like that lineup can play and that bullpen can play. And Dylan Bunny, Kevin Gossman would think they can play. Um and if you just got a couple of decent arms, you could get optimistic about this team. We don't need, you know, 10 positions. We need two starting pitchers. Give me two starting pitchers. Yeah. Give me Lance Lynn and someone else. <laughs> and let's go play ball. That's right? the one you want. <coughs> All right. The pitching staff in 2012. Jake Arrieta, Tommy Hunter, Jason Hamill, Wee-Yin Chen, Brian Mattis, Matt Lindstrom, Luisa Yala. Troy Patton. Luis Ayala, I remember him. Kevin Gregg, Pedro Strope, Darren O'Day, Jim Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I would have said there we're winning 60, 70 games. So, yeah, they, you can get you lucky. Can get lucky. You can, <laughs> I mean, you can say lucky, but, yeah, it's lucky. Because Jake, 
That start but, rotation is crap. But I would argue half of those guys were not on the team August through the end of the year. Maybe I, not I, half, I, but a good chunk of them were not on the team. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we added Joe Saunders. I don't remember who Maybe else. they were still in the organization, but they were not pitching every five days. It was Joe Saunders, Scott Feldman. I mean, most of the guys are bullpen arms you just named. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, but you're right. The question is, don't try to sell me on Yanoa, Asher, and Wright finishing out this five-man rotation. Yeah. Fortunately, they're not selling us on that yet, yeah. but it's going to come to that if they don't sign anybody. They're yeah. going to have no choice but to sell us I think, on. I think if you ask Dan Duquette, he's not saying, like, in Yanoa we trust. Right. He's saying, just wait, just wait. Right. We're, I, we're still looking. Right. Kick at, some tires. At FanFest, he was clearly saying, Yanoa, <laughs> we need new pitchers. We need more pitchers. Right. Yeah, and I think I'll still be saying that right now. And I, yes, I, I, I mean, we all think Thoros will sign someone, right? And, that, and that's why he's this is not going to be the start. Rotation. And that's why he kept saying, "Don't judge his team on January. Don't judge his team I on won't. February or March. The season starts in well, April." All right, I want to judge in March. I will judge in March. <laughs> I mean, I will full on judge in March. Right. I'm not going to judge now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to full on judge in March. We're judging now. We judge every two, every Monday or Tuesday whenever we do this podcast. Oh yeah, but because you haven't seen have me judging look. yet. You but, haven't seen me judging but yeah, yet. But, but we're not yelling. We're being we're we're impatiently being patient. Yeah, yeah. L- let's see what happens. The right. Orioles need to sign some guys. Yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah, all right. Let's wrap it up. All right, we we've gone long. Right, we've gone long. Next week, uh, next week we get to talk about uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Randy yeah. Wolf, Randy Wolf, yeah. There he but is. he was a late addition, right? Right. He was. Was he with the Phillies or something before that? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up now. I think Phillies. All right, boys and girls. We hope you enjoyed our show. Big shout out to Stephen Ridings for joining us, answering our yeah. dumb questions. Yeah, next time he's in town, visit the family. Let's get him in studio for uh, some dumb questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely work on that. Um, and you can work on getting uh, Steve Ashadi on, and Bert, you can work on getting Tori Smith on. Yeah, so we're all, we're all, we're all work our angles. Super Bowl, two time Super Bowl champion, Tori Smith. Yeah. All right. All right, boys and girls, you can check the show out on Twitter and Instagram. Just search at Section 336 Show. Appreciate the iTunes reviews. We can have some new iTunes reviews. Uh, that you don't have ready to read, but whatever. Same for next week. Yeah, that, same for next week. Did we not read them last week? I thought we read them last week. Yeah, we had three new ones this week, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got them right here. Okay. We want to read them because people uh, took the time to go on there. And we whined and begged, and they did it. All right. I'm done whining now. I, I thank you for leaving the iTunes review. I won't whine any for at least a month. These guys are coconuts. This is from Quest at Questwood. And if that's not a good enough reason to listen, they are a great listen if you want Oriole talk, even during the offseason. If you're lucky, they might even talk about the Ravens. Which we did today. We Perfect. Did today. A lot of Ravens talk today. Josh, Matt, and Bert are a must-listen every week, whether you do it here on iTunes or on their Facebook page where you can talk to them in the chat room. Keep up the great work, guys. We five, will. Five stars. Who was that from? Uh, that was from at, Westwood, at Q Westwood. Very good. Thanks, Q Westwood. I think that's Dave. I think his last name is Westwood. Yes. We got to get him a magnet. Yep. Uh, <laughs> then we got someone called the Purple Ravens who says, Go Birds, five stars, insightful commentary, and Orioles predictions. I don't know about the predictions part. <laughs> it, insightful, though not accurate. Right. Commentary, yes. Commentary. <laughs> and we will make our predictions in March where we'll get about one of our 15 correct. But, yeah, thank you for those reviews. Bold predictions. Uh, go give us a review on iTunes, and we will make sure that we read it on the next show. Yes, yep. please. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Section336. You can follow Josh on Twitter. At Josh Soroka. And you can follow Bert on Twitter. At Bert Rohde. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's.
Nein, <lacht> Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. This episode is brought to you by Playapod, the best cross-platform podcast app for iOS and Android. Just visit playapod.com and download it for free. Download Upside and start getting cash back wherever you roll. It's like having your own hype man. Get an average of 17% cash back at restaurants. Oh, it's dinner time. Average of 13% on groceries. Get those groceries. 10 cents per gallon average cash back on gas. It's go time. Plus, cash back at participating convenience stores too. Stacks on stacks. Users can earn hundreds of dollars a year, three times more than other apps. Upside, show me that money. All right, we get it. Get it. It's easy. Just sign up for the free Upside app and start getting cash back for doing you. Download the free Upside app and use promo code DOYOU10 for an extra $10 cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's promo code DOYOU10 for an extra $10 on the free Upside app. Get cash back for doing you with the free app from Upside. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.